Welcome to Wisdom and the Word Podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. In today's episode, Pastor Wiley continues his study through the book of Hebrews. Welcome to Wisdom and the Word. This is Tune Up Tuesday, and we are thankful that you are here listening with us. And today we'll continue on in our study in the book of Hebrews, picking up in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 14. Let's read the text together today, Hebrews 13, 14 through 19. The Bible says, For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us. for We trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. As we pick up here in this particular passage of Scripture, we have been following the reader, the writer of the book of Hebrews as he opens up in chapter 13 by telling us how to live uh, the right way or how to live uh, basically in the way that he tells us at the end of the, uh, of the chapter 12, how to live acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And he does that in the first uh, several verses. And then we come to verse number seven. And verses seven through 13, he talks about the being established with grace, the better sacrifices that we have as a result um, of the Lord and how to be able to uh, follow the Lord. We have an altar, he says in verse 10, whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. And again, he talks about the difference between the Old Testament covenant and the New Testament covenant. And now as we come to verse number 14 of our text, uh, we come to this section where he, out of the thoughts of the previous section, where he's finished up saying that the sacrifices were made outside the camp, and so Jesus was sacrificed outside the camp, and he's been imploring the Jews to leave their uh, Judaism, to go outside of that covenant, to go outside the camp, to receive Christ and move forward. And he picks up with that thought in verse, or continues with that thought in verse number 14. This particular section, verses 14 and 19, I have entitled, On Our Way, On Our Way. That is, we see here in these next verses that while we are stepping outside of the camp and these Jews are going to have to step outside of their Judaism, step outside of that covenant in order to be able to receive Christ as their Savior. But the reward is great, and God has promised that if they would do so, that they're looking for a heavenly city. This is the same thought from Hebrews 11. They were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And so here in this particular text, he kind of picks up with that motif and continues on here in these next several verses to be able to talk about on our way to that heavenly city, on our way to God. What do we do on our way? That is, when we step outside of that covenant, when we receive Christ as Savior, and we are walking in um, in step with God, in step with Christ, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for our walk? On our way to this heavenly city, there are some things that we are going to do. 
And so let's pick up there in verse number 14. Let's look at some things that we do. Step outside the covenant, receive Christ as Savior. Now you're on your way on this journey to this heavenly city. Uh, This is not home. We're looking for a place, a city whose builder and maker is God. What should we do? You'll notice the first thing that the writer says that we do is in verse number 14. He says, first of all, we seek. We seek. He says in verse 14, for here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. That is, once we meet Christ, we are met with the stark reality of the fact that this world is not home and that there is no continuing city here, that everything here is fleeting and everything here is passing and nothing here is permanent. And so we long for and we look for. In fact, in Hebrews 11, he's going to tell us that these people were sojourners, that they were all sojourners for one reason. That is because they were seeking a better country. They were seeking a better city. They were seeking a place whose builder and maker was God. Uh, he, he deals with this by talking about uh, all the things that they went through and all the things that they endured. I'm, I'm uh, Right now, I flipped over to Hebrews 11 in my Bible and just uh, read for what they say in verse number uh, 14. He says, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. This thought is the same thought now of Hebrews 13. This city that's been prepared we begin to seek a different place. We take a different path. We have a better savior. We have a better sacrifice. We have a better, uh, we have a a better relationship uh, now through this covenant. We have a better covenant. We have a better priesthood. All of those things are better in Christ. And once those things are better and established by faith, we now move forward searching for and seeking that country, realizing that this is not home and all of these things here are temporary. And he deals with that in verse number 14. He says, on our way, one of the first things we do is we seek. You'll notice in verse 15, as he continues, he said, on our way, another thing that we do is we sacrifice. We sacrifice. And again, it's a different sacrifice than earlier. We have already been told earlier on in Hebrews 9 and 10 that the sacrifice of Jesus was once for all. Then what is the sacrifice that we are supposed to offer? How are we supposed to sacrifice? Verse 15 He would say, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The writer's not referring to a physical sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, or anything for the atonement of sin. He's talking about those of us who are priests now, who have been made a royal priesthood and declared priests by Christ, that now we offer sacrifices just as Christ offered himself a sacrifice. Now we offer sacrifices. And the sacrifice that he speaks of here in verse 15 is a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of exalting the Lord, a sacrifice that comes not just not from an altar, but from our lips. You'll notice he says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. How should we offer this praise to God continually? This is just like the the coals on the altar that uh, were not allowed to grow cold, and they always kindled the next fire with a hot coal from the previous fire. It was a continual fire, just like the the, uh, candlestick was not allowed to go out. He's talking about a continuous sacrifice. 
because of what God has done, because we are on this journey to a heavenly city, there should be praise in our lips, praise in our lives, praise that comes out of us in just sheer gratitude and thankfulness for all that Christ has done. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We give thanks to God. We give praise to God. We give glory to God for all that he's done. And so he tells us that on this journey, as we're looking for this city, we seek. He said, we sacrifice. Notice thirdly in verse number 16, he says, we supply. We supply. He says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For which with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So he follows up in verse 16 with a second kind of sacrifice. This sacrifice is a sacrifice of doing good and communicating. Now, the word communicate here is translated in other passages of Scripture as his fellowship. And what many believe that he's talking about is being hospitable, being kind. Uh, maybe a reminder of what he says earlier on in chapter 13. When we go back to verse thir chapter 13, verse 2, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. That is, uh, in verse 3, he's telling to communicate with them that are in bonds. It, it likely is a reminder from the earlier part of the chapter to, to do good, to do good to people who are suffering, to do good to those that are having difficulty to not forget to fellowship with them in their sufferings, to be able to help them, entertain them, uh, to, be able to, to be able to do things for them. That is to be a, a constant supply, a constant resource to them. And again, verse 16, he tells us not to forget it. The tendency is when we're doing well, the tendency is when things are going right for us is to not remember how to do or to remember to do for others. And we need to constantly keep that in mind to remember to do for other people, to remember to, to be a servant, to serve them, especially as we labor and minister within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ within the church. So in verse 16, he, he tells us that we should supply on this journey. So on this journey, we seek. On this journey, we sacrifice. On this journey, we supply. But I'm going to tell you something else we do in verse number 17. On this journey, we submit. We submit. Now, there are two verses that are related to one another, and the first one is found in verse number seven. The second one is found in verse 17. And again, once again, in this passage, we believe that he's referring to spiritual authority that God has given us within our lives to be able to help us and to lead us and guide us into truth. In fact, in verse 17, he would say, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Now, again, going back to verse number seven, he would say, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. This is, seems to be referring to older men that have given themselves in service, older men who have given themselves to preach and to teach the word of God. That is acknowledging those that have communicated and spoken into our lives, and God has used them in a particular way. Perhaps in verse number seven, the thought is of those who are nearing the end of their lives, the end of their conversation. But in verse number 17, that's not the thought. The thought is of maybe spiritual authority of elders, which God has given us in our lives. But uh, as you look at verse number 17, you find that it's not about those that are at the end of their lives, but those that are currently ministering to us and those who cur currently have authority over us. He says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself. There is a measure of submission 
Oftentimes we talk about submission within the context of the home, submission within the context of government or submission within a context of a workplace. But there is submission in regard to the body of Christ, the body of believers, submitting to the authority. Now, that authority ought to be a servant leadership authority. It ought to be those that are not in it for money and those who are not in it for gain, but rather in it to be able to help folks. And the motivation here is seen in verse 17. He says, for they that watch for your souls. That is, there is a watch care. There is someone who has been set up to be able to watch for you and watch out for your family, watch out for you spiritually to be able to help you and communicate to you and to be able to encourage you along the way. He says, submit to them because they watch for your souls. And he says, as they that must give an account, those that are been given spiritual authority must give an account to God. They give an account for their oversight in the church. They give an account for how they have uh, taken the responsibility and the reins of the church. They have responsibility and they're going to give an account one day for how they have watched over your souls how they've watched over your lives, how they've, how they've cared for you. He says, as they that must give an account, he says, that they may do it with joy. This submission allows the leader in the church to be able to do what they need to do with joy, not with grief, not with heavy-heartedness. That is, there, there's not a lot of pull away. There's not a lot of resistance to this. We're submitting to that authority. We're listening to what has been given to them and how they're helping guide us and encourage us. And he would say that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. That is, the opposite sides of the spectrum are if we don't submit, it creates a lot of grief on the side of those who are, um, are leading and again, for that is unprofitable for you. It's not helpful to you to be able to resist spiritual authority. It's not, a, uh, not, not good for you to be able to resist those that are in leadership over you. So on our way, we submit. While we're on our way to that city, God has given us authority and people over us. So we seek, we sacrifice, we supply, we submit. And lastly, you'll see in verses 18 and 19, we supplicate. Verse 18, he says, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Did I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner? It seems in verse 19 that the writer of Hebrews has been a part of this congregation, that perhaps he has been a leader here before, or uh, maybe he has been away for some time and he's looking to re-enter as a result of this letter. You'll notice what he says in verse number 18. He requires prayer. This supplication with God, he says, pray for us. And why does he ask for prayer? He says, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. That is, take our testimony, the testimony of our honesty and what we desire to do and knowing our heart, what we want to do. Pray for us that the Lord would allow us to fulfill what we want to see accomplished with our heart. Pray for us that as we seek this out, that God would open up doors and provide opportunity for us. In verse 19, he says, I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. That is, the more you pray and the more you're open and the more you pray for us, perhaps the sooner that all this will happen. And so he deals with the matter of supplication here as he closes out the section. 
Now, I'll tell you, as we are on the precipice, one more week, we'll be concluding our study in the book of Hebrews, beginning in verse 20, going down through verse number 25. We find the writer opening up with a doxology of praise to God, and then from there, uh, giving some last words. And we'll look at that, Lord willing, next week. Well, we hope this Bible study has been a help to you, and I hope that on your way to the heavenly city, if you know Christ, you will seek and sacrifice and supply and submit and supplicate, just like the writer of Hebrews encourages those people to do uh, there as he's writing to them as well. Thank you so much for joining us for this Tune Up Tuesday. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wisdom in the Word podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom in the Word.